feel and even look different than when we came in here this morning. And I, I, I want to say this right off the bat to some of us, and I actually say many of us in here, all right, many of us in here, listen closely. The battle that you are in is not yours to fight. The battle that you are walking in in your life right now, whatever that looks like, is not yours to fight. It is the Lord's. And he is with you. And if you feel alone or you feel forgotten, you feel like it is yours to fight and you're confused and you don't have what it takes, whatever the case may be, you need to hear me this morning when I tell you that it is not yours to fight. That the Lord is with you wherever you go, in every battle, in every season, in every situation. He is with you. And that's what we celebrate in this season when we talk about Emmanuel, God with us. We're not only talking about Jesus as this baby that was born of a virgin, right? And the wise men came and, and, and the angel came to the shepherds and announced this amazing thing that God was truly physically with us in this now new moment. But that even now today, thousands of years removed from that birth, God is still with us wherever we go. It hasn't changed. It's only gotten more and more amazing. God is with us wherever we go. We're going to look in Joshua chapter 1 this morning and read a few verses out of that, and then we're going to shift gears to another story. But it says this in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. <coughs> Excuse me. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Okay, so we're going to pause here and then pick up the story in just a minute. But I, I think it's, it's almost comical in how direct God is in this moment. Right? He's talking to Joshua and he says, look, my servant Moses is dead. All right? He's dead. He's not here anymore. Now then, you go and do this. All right? You go and lead these people into the promised land. And let's just pause for a second and consider the weight of what is happening here. Moses is dead, all right? Not Billy from around the corner, right, that we don't know anything about. Moses, like the greatest name in all of the Old Testament. Plague Moses, Red Sea Moses, right? Taps his stick onto a rock and water comes out Moses. This is a big deal. And God's saying, hey, he's dead now, so here's what you're going to do. There's no, well, from God, there's no, we need to rehuddle. I, I don't know what we're going to do. Moses is dead. Uh, I guess we'll try Joshua and see what happens, right? There's none of that. Because the words that God says are, my servant Moses is dead. Moses served me, right? Not the other way around. I didn't serve Moses. As great as he was, he served me. And the reason that he was great is because of what I did through him. And now I'm calling you, Joshua, to do great things. Joshua easily could have been, this is too big. 
This is too much. You want me to take, you know, take the reins from Moses? That's like the opening band going on after the headliner. That you got it, you got it wrong. It's backwards. He should have been doing this. Not me. Not me, God. This is too big for me. You don't have to raise your hands, but have we thought that lately, any of us? The life that we've been living, this is just too much, God. You've got the wrong guy. You need to go find another Moses. Or maybe just resurrect him. Because this is too big. This is too big. But God gives him an instruction here. In verse uh, 6, he says, be strong and courageous. Then in verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law Moses, uh, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. In other words, listen to me. Listen to me. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? I'm going to say that again. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I will be with you wherever you go. Three times in these nine verses, and he actually goes and says it more in this chapter, but three times in these nine verses that we're going to read this morning, God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And he doesn't say, hey, Joshua, be strong and courageous. See ya, and I'm out, right? And he, will, and he leaves him. He says, be strong and courageous because I am with you wherever you go. You have reason to be strong and courageous, and the reason is that I am with you. You see, the fruit, the understanding, the, 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 what we get when we understand and we walk in the knowledge that God is with us wherever we go is strength and courage. We are now strong and courageous because God is with us. The flip side of that, when we forget or we don't believe that God is with us wherever we go, we are weak and we are fearful. When we forget that God is with us, it, it creates fear. Because there's things in life that can be very scary in the absence of the Lord. But when we turn our life over, we go. And so as he tells Joshua to do this huge thing in the wake of Moses' death, he says... Be strong and courageous. So my word for us this morning, for you, where you're sitting, as you listen to this message, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous for what God has called you to in the season that you are in right now. Don't apply this two months from now. But right now, where you're at, the job isn't too big. The calling is not too great. If, if God has put it on you, remember, he says, have I not commanded you? In other words, you didn't make this up. This is my commandment to you. So if I'm commanding you to do this, and I'm with you wherever you go, and you listen to what I say, you will have success. You will have success because I have commanded you. And I'm going with you. Isn't that amazing about the Lord? 
He commands us and he calls us to go and to do. And he says, okay, but now I'm going to come with you too. I'm not just leaving you on your own. Remember the first time I ever, um, we, we, we had, we actually kind of forced her, <laughs> great parenting, um, Cassie, our oldest, to go on Space Mountain. Uh, she was tall enough and was like, all right, you're doing it, you know. I am forcing your maturity in this and we are going to go on this ride. And um, this Space Mountain, if you're not familiar with it, you don't sit side by side, you sit behind someone. And so the first time I go on it with her, I'm sitting right behind her and I have my hands on her shoulders like the whole time. And I wasn't pushing her down in her seat because I didn't need to. I knew she wasn't going to go anywhere. But it was just a reminder to tell her, hey, I'm right here. All right? My hands are on your shoulders. Daddy's right here. And I even, uh, as is my custom, you know, laughed and made loud noises, you know, tried to be, be silly and goofy in the moment. So she, if she heard me, I'm not panicking. I'm okay. I'm having a good time, actually, that that might pour over into her, right? And the funny thing is now, if she were to go on it and I tried to do that same thing, you know what she would do? Get off me. Like, <laughs> touch me. Why? Because she's familiar with the ride. She knows what to expect. But I'm still there. I'm still sitting behind her. She just doesn't need me to put my hands on her shoulders. She's good. And as, as we walk in new things and new seasons with the Lord, there's times where he puts his, hand, his hands on our shoulders and says, it's okay. I got gotcha. you. I'm here. And eventually... As we continue to walk, that new thing isn't very scary anymore. Like, yeah, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. But just because his hands aren't on our shoulders doesn't mean that he's still not sitting right behind us. Always there. Always there. As I was considering this word today, I was thinking about, you know, Jesus when he, when he was ministering as, as an adult. And, and I thought, I wonder, you ever think Jesus was scared to go into a neighborhood? Like, a, you know, a shady area, shady neighborhood. Like, oh, I don't know about this. No, Jesus actually went out of his way to go to those neighborhoods. He's like, this is the faster way, but I'm going to go here so I can hit that neighborhood on the way to there. Because Jesus wasn't afraid. He wasn't afraid. I had the opportunity and privilege yesterday to um, hang out with um, Sponsored by Grace, which is a ministry that we we help out with uh, from time to time, let them use some facilities here. And, uh, Dakota is, is a, works for them. And it was really just an awesome time to see their staff kind of in their element and doing what they do well and ministering to these people that live in Jacksonville, but it ain't the Jacksonville that we know. You know it's way out there. Um, we got to bring a bunch of kids and some adults down here to deck the chairs, have dinner with them, take them to get ice cream. It was, it was, uh, it was a good day. But I picked them up in the bus at uh, about 2.15, 2.30 in their neighborhood. And then I dropped them off at about 8.30 in the neighborhood. I want to tell y'all something. 2.15 in that neighborhood is a lot different feeling than 8.30 at night. You know why? Because the sun's down. <sighs> and it was different for me. And actually, the cuddle, we were leaving the ice cream place. She's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, drive out there and kind of basically like, you know, escort you back to the neighborhood and I was like no nah, it's cool you don't need to do that I'm good in my head I'm going thank you Jesus you know because uh, I, I was unfamiliar with the neighborhood and um, you know when you're somewhere different you know you you pay attention a little more right 
especially when you're driving this giant white bus with Beaches Chapel written on it that basically screams, I'm not from around here. Uh, <laughs> like the lion on the side. <laughs> but you pay attention more, right? And I think, you know, as they bring Jesus into that neighborhood and that Jesus is in that neighborhood, he's not scared at all. It doesn't matter the time of the day. Because he's God. The reason he's not scared is not because he's this amazingly tough guy that puts on this exterior. It's because he, Jesus is God. And he doesn't, he's not afraid of anything. He is not afraid of anything, y'all. And so as we go into our battles, into our life, into new seasons and new opportunities and whatever it might be, we have to understand that we go with God. And he ain't scared of anything. He's already died on the cross. It already happened. And you know what happened from that? He was raised from the dead. Death could not hold him down. Nothing that this world has to offer is going to stop him. Nothing. Nothing. And so when we go into our lives, when we leave this morning, we go into the world, we need to understand that we go with a God who's not scared of nothing. Second Corinthians 5, starting in verse 16. It says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we, now, we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So as we go out into this world, and we live our life, our role is to be Christ's ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative. And if Jesus is never afraid, going into every situation, then neither should we, because we represent him. And if we represent Jesus in fear, we're not representing Jesus. You get that? But if we go into a situation, if we go into life, if we go into our marriage, into our homes, with our kids, whatever it might be, into our jobs, knowing that Jesus goes before us, and we are his ambassador, then we go with our heads held high. Say, God is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is the same God that we read about with Joshua that he is with us now. He will never, never leave us. He will never forsake us. We can feel a lot of times like, and we live this, this life here on earth that we are aliens. The Bible even calls us that. But have you ever noticed that in movies where aliens invade, they always have the cooler stuff, like the better equipment. In Independence Day, you know, when the ship just is hovering over the capital, right? Like, we ain't got that. 
you know, all we have is Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith, and somehow they win, which is ridiculous, right? But they always have the cooler weaponry and the cooler ships, the advanced technology. You know what? So do we. So do we. And it's not advanced technology. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us. It's God our Father who speaks life into existence, who goes before us. That's the weaponry that we have. That is God never leaving us or forsaking us. Why then are we afraid? Why then are we afraid? If we have the more powerful weaponry, we should not be afraid. We should be strong and we should be courageous because God is with us wherever we go. I'm going to read this story. It's an entire chapter of the Bible that we're going to read in church during a sermon. I know, it's crazy. And I love this story. Judges chapter 7, starting in verse 1. So Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord said to him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns of the other warriors and sent them home. But he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp where I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura. Listen to what the Midianites are saying and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Pura and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek and the other people and the people of the east had settled in the valley like swarms of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream, a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can mean only one thing. God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite, victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to the Israelite camp and shouted, Get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, Keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. 
As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon! It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the 100 men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands. And they all shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Beth Shittah near Zerahah and to the border of Abel Mahaloah near Tabath. Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River at Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb, the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterward, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. So here we are, starting with 32,000 soldiers. And God says, no, it's too many. I want the glory for this. I'm going to give you the victory, but I want the glory. 22,000 go home. Leaving them with 10,000. Still too many. Let's go from 10,000 to 300. Against an army that's compared to like locusts and the camels that they had to like sand on the seashore. That's quite the discrepancy. The Israelite weaponry, horns, and a clay jar with a torch in it. What? Like the Lord's going to make sure he gets his glory, right? He's going to make sure that he gets his glory. And you know what? Their weaponry was better because they had the Lord with them. And what I love is that it's the enemy that speaks defeat over themselves. And as soon as Gideon heard the end of the story, suddenly the numbers didn't matter anymore. Oh, God has given us victory? 300 it is. Ram's horns in a clay jar? Sounds good. Why? Because I know the ending. I might not know how it's going to go down, but I know it's going to go down. Listen, y'all, we know the ending. We know the ending. There is victory only in Jesus. And so whether it's ram's horn, a clay pot, whatever it might be, God has given us what we need to give him the glory for his victory over the enemy in our lives. Be strong and courageous. We know the ending. We have the best weaponry. God will never leave us or forsake us. He is with us everything that we do, wherever we go. And he's not scared of anything. I just want to, real quick, just to yourself, just ask yourself, have you been walking in fear over something in your life? Have you been afraid? 
And if you have, if you've been walking in that, today is the day to let that go and be reminded that when Jesus was born, when he died on that cross, and when he went back to heaven, he's never left us. He's never left us. He is with you. I'm going to have the band come back up, and I want to ask this question as well. I want to ask us this question. As a church, what do you want Beaches Chapel to be? What do you want for Beaches Chapel? Do you want to see more baptisms, more salvations? Do you want to see miracles in this place of all different varieties? Do you want to see this place filled? And if the answer is yes to any of those or all of those, then it's time that we take up our calling to be Christ's ambassadors seriously. I, and I mean this in a very humble way, but I'm proud of what we do here at Beaches Chapel, of what God is doing here at Beaches Chapel through all of us. But I know that there's more. And this is not a, if we build it, we'll cross our fingers and hope they come. And I believe that if we exalt the name of the Lord, he will draw his people unto him. Don't get me wrong. But I also believe that we are Christ's ambassadors and we are called to go. And we have an opportunity this week and in the coming new year to go out to the highways and the byways and take those steps of faith, getting out of our comfort zone and inviting people to Beaches Chapel, introduce them to Jesus Christ so that they can live out the same truth that we live out. That God will never leave them, never forsake them. And they can have this courage and strength that we talk about this morning. But we got to do our job as well. I see a lot of empty seats in here. God has given us this room. He's given us this space. I believe we're called to fill it. I believe that we are called to fill it. So will you take one of those invite cards today and hand it to somebody? Will you take a few? If you're sitting here going, I don't want just one. I want four and five and six. I got people. And take them. But only if you're going to use them. And look, the reality of it is, if we all take one and invite one, maybe 10 people might show up. Who knows? Maybe all of them do. Maybe not. There's a good chance we're going to be told no. But you know what? It's not our business. That's the Lord's business. Our job is to extend the hand and invite them. I'd also say after Christmas Eve service on Saturday as the new year rolls around that's a great time to reach out to people as well what do we want to be what do we want to be here do we want to be strong and courageous do we want to be weak and fearful it's time the world desperately desperately Jesus is crying, hurting, in pain. 
do something about it. I'm challenging myself to this. And I'm challenging y'all. And I'm praying this week. My person is a neighbor who I've gotten to know saying hi because he walks his dog by our front of our house about 10 times a day. Super nice guy. That's my one. Who's yours? Who's your five, maybe? Maybe it's the family member that you've invited a hundred times. Maybe you can phrase it like this. You don't have to believe what we believe. You don't have to sing a single word, but would you just come and sit next to me on Christmas Eve at church? You would mean so much to me. That can be my present. And then let's just watch and see what the Holy Spirit does, wrecking people forever in the best way possible. And if you're going through your own battle this morning, and life is just really hard, and maybe you feel like Joshua, like the, the task is too great, or maybe you are in this season feeling alone or remembering loss, because this is that time of year where those things can be magnified, I want to remind you this morning that you are not alone, and that God is with you wherever you go. And he loves you so much, and the battle is not yours to fight. The battle is not yours to fight. It is the Lord's. I'm not going to give up on you. It's not going to be easy. He loves us so much that he sent Jesus, as Ben was saying earlier, leaving an incredible heaven to come down here. And the only reason was to be with us. That was it. The only motivation. The only motivation so he could tell us in all the truth in the world, I'm going to be with you wherever you go. You don't have to be afraid. You can be strong and courageous because the God of the universe is with you. What an amazing, amazing love that is. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity that is before us this week and in this coming year to be those who speak on your behalf. Come back to God. God, that we wouldn't see people like we see them, but we would see them like you see them. And that our hearts would be that they would be reconciled to you. Put those people on our hearts, whether it's a family member or maybe it's a server at a restaurant that we've gotten to know. God, let us seek them out. Not wait for the perfect, you know, opportunity where the stars align. That we would seek them out. And we would be so bold, so courageous and strong. That we would go out into the world and invite them have a relationship with you. Fill us with that courage and with that strength. For those of us that really struggle in this area, give us the boldness, Father. And Jesus, for those that are fighting about it right now in their life, I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that you are near to the brokenhearted, that you're with us every step of the way. We can feel your hands on our shoulders. 
right here and I'm not going anywhere and I'm not scared of anything. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit this week, oh God. Yes, Holy Spirit, fill us, God. Fill us up overflow to those around us. That a word spoken, a smile given would break the hearts of those that need you. Give us eyes to see, Lord, those that are hurting. We need you, Lord. God, we're going to take this step, but we need you. We read these stories, God, and not to pump us up, but to remind us what you can do when you're on the scene. So, Lord, we cry out. We need you, Heavenly Father. We need you, Holy Spirit. Go before us. Make a way. Ready the hearts of those that we invite. Ready them now, Father. And do do an eternal work on Saturday night, Lord Jesus. Do an eternal work, God. This is not a religious service that we're having. This is an eternal service that we're having. Do a work, oh God. Let us be strong and courageous this week. Let us be strong and courageous this week. Let us be very strong and courageous this week. Thank you, Jesus. Let's stand and let's worship this morning. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.